0: Welcome back, everybody, and thanks for tuning in. I'm Dave Barfield. And I'm Josiah Jones. And this is the Christ Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. We hope our show will encourage, challenge, and uplift you with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Another special episode today, especially for all the armchair theologians and eschatology fans out there in listener land— We're going to dive into Daniel 9, so hang on tight. And of course, we'll spend time in prayer. So let's get to it. All right, everybody, welcome to the podcast. Welcome back. If you're a frequent listener to the show, great to have you all with us. Today's episode is geared toward tying up some loose ends some theological loose ends specifically from last Sunday's sermon on Daniel chapter 9. If you're familiar with Daniel chapter 9, you know that there are some thorny things in there, some gnarly things to try and understand. But thankfully, we have a theological expert here with us today, our senior pastor, Josiah. How's it going, Josiah?
1: (laughs) Uh, It's going well, Dave. Theological experts. Well, I... uh... Uh, sure, appreciate the the kind words. Uh, mm. I will tell you if I had any grand delusion of being a theological expert. Uh, Daniel chapter nine has disabused me of that <laughs> right. uh, uh, delusion.
0: Um, yeah, I like how I'm, you say that because Daniel nine, you know, it, it has a way of humbling anybody that <laughs> might think they have it all together. That's good.
1: Yes, I tell you, just as a pastor, of course, you want to. Studied to show myself approved, and uh, aim to be a pastor or scholar. Um, I will tell you, uh, it. I've been encouraged as as I've uh, been challenged as well, reading uh, the the experts and to see the how they've wrestled with grappling. And of course, one of the things you learn as you study scripture is there are things in passages that are abundantly clear, and then there are other things that are less clear and you hold to, you come to positions on even have uh, what you believe are good reasons for holding to that position, but you do so humbly recognizing you can be wrong about some of the details. So this is a good passage both to encourage us and to humble us.
0: Yeah, for sure. That's, that's very true. And, you know, kind of zooming out a little bit, it seems like this kind of (laughs) discussion in this format a podcast it might seem a little bit odd, almost out of touch because uh, to jump into a discussion of of Daniel chapter nine it seems like we're ignoring so much of the drama and, and things going on right now in our in our current uh context in society in our cu- our country things seem to be swirling out of control and it just seems almost out of touch to be looking <laughs> at daniel chapter nine
1: dave you're you're uh, exactly right. Um, there are times when we, we do have to discuss, of course, um, the drama. But in a, in another way, uh, there are times in the midst of the craziness of what's happening in the world, where it's good to focus our hearts and minds on um, the the bigger picture that God has revealed that mm-hmm. does help us to make uh, sense of And put in perspective what we're going through now. And I think throughout Daniel, uh, God has, this uh, series has spoken to us in a critical period of time when there's lots of craziness happening.
0: Yeah, that's a good point because I think that, um, as we mentioned last week, you know, so much has been applicable from Daniel chapter nine. Thousands of years ago, this was written, and it seems so relevant to. Uh, how Christians are supposed to live right now, even though the context was completely different. Uh, and that's, I mean, one of the enduring values of God's word is that uh, it's always true, you know, and there are specifics that apply at a specific time, but there are, of course, uh, general principles, general truths that always apply uh, to to all of us. So that's, that's a good reminder that, yeah, God's, God ordains these things, and it's not like we're supposed to ignore them, but we're supposed to go to God through them, like these, these are events that drive us to God, and that's that's a good reminder. So, let's let's jump into Daniel 9, as we've promised our listeners, and let's chat about some of these thorny issues. And, um, so why don't we start? Just give us some background on the chapter, or uh, just give us some reasons why it causes so much discussion, fill in any any gaps from the sermon. Just uh, go ahead and start there.
1: Great, Dave, thank you. Um, yeah, when it, it is important, um, as I mentioned, to kind of get the big picture of what's happening in Daniel chapter nine. Um, Daniel had been reading in uh, the prophecy of Jeremiah, we learned from the beginning of chapter nine, and he reads about the 70 um, years of exile that Jeremiah had prophesied. That And he recognizes that time's about up. Um, and so... Jeremiah teaches us, helpfully, that when you see promises that God has made, that doesn't mean you say, oh, yeah, uh, great, and then just become passive. Instead, Daniel does what the Puritans would refer to as plead the promises of God. He recognized that Jeremiah had also indicted God's people for sin. And and then was promising mercy. So what does Daniel do? He confesses sin and says, "Hey, yes, uh, I'm the problem. I'm part of the problem." Confesses sin for himself and God's uh, people.
0: So let's park he, it. Let me park it there for just a second, Because yeah. because because we're going to get into these word the, the word seventy a lot. I think yes. we see it. And just for those of for those listening that aren't swimming in this all the time, um, Jeremiah prophesied. 70 years of exile, right? So let's just want to get that clear first before we get into the 70 weeks of Daniel. But Jeremiah, prior to Daniel, prophesied 70 years of exile. And as you said, we're coming up, Daniel was coming up to the end of that. He was reading Jeremiah, realizing the end was coming of those 70 years and started praying and doing what Jeremiah uh, uh, commended people to do was that was confess right? And so that's kind of where we are. Daniel was confessing um, and, and uh, confessing the sins of, of of Israel, their covenantal failures. Yes. So
1: he's confessing uh, sins and then he's pleading for mercy and so pleading based on the promises that God's made. So God makes promises. This is part of what prayer is an expression of faith in God's promises and asking God to do what he's promised to do. So it's when, as Daniel does that, God sends uh, the angel Gabriel to him to say, Daniel, your prayer has been heard and and God delights in you. You are greatly loved. And so it's in responding to that, that God's revealing then what sometimes referred to as the 70 weeks or this the Hebrew word for weeks there is sevens. So, the 77s. And so here's where I, I remind us it's important to understand that the big picture before you get kind of into the weeds and right. some of the details where right. there's less clarity. So the big picture is the exile, uh, which Daniel describes as a time of desolation uh, or ruin, was 70 years. And God's saying the restoration, the rescue. Is going to be greater than uh, Daniel, than the ruin. Mm-hmm. Uh, it will be 77s. So the ruin 70, the rescue 77s. Mm-hmm. That's the big picture. And what's going to happen in this time of rescue that's going to be greater than 77s? Uh, well, he gives a little bit of a title page. Um, in six things or six things that will happen or the, which really i think are at the the climax of the 77s um, but he says in verse 24 uh, 77s are decreed about your people in your holy city to finish the, the transgression to put an end to sin and to atone for iniquity to bring in everlasting righteousness to seal both vision and profit and to anoint a most holy a place. So that's kind of big picture. Get this, Daniel. This is really encouraging. Um, mm-hmm. The ruin has been great. Yes, seventy years, but the rescue is going to be right greater. Seventy sevens.
0: And so, just to just to kind of. Uh... I don't know, reiterate a point for our listeners this idea of 70 and in seven in general, the, num- the number seven, and then the idea of 70 uh, is, is supposed to be in Old Testament language, this idea of, of, of perfection, right? So you get yes. this idea that things are perfected in sevens. And so there's like, yeah. you know, if a seven is perfect, then seventy sevens is like the perfect, the most perfectest perfect, <laughs> if you will. Yes. So you just, you just keep that in mind as we're going through Daniel nine, this idea of perfection uh, being communicated to the original uh, listeners to this passage.
1: Yes. And I think that's strengthened as, uh, as we look at some of what this is probably alluding to. So, mm-hmm. One of now, as we kind of get into the details, this is where um, I hope you brought charts. Did you bring a chart? I want
0: to see. I want to see some charts here. (laughs) This is is where the charts come in, and and uh, pictures of trumpets and bowls and things.
1: Yes. Well, there are lots of charts uh, that scholars uh, use with this. Um, You know, as
0: an aside, I should say this is an interesting. uh, Both of us come from background. Well, let me say this: both of us hold to the same view as far as eschatology. Um, in reform circles, there are various uh, views. There's three mill, a post mill, and a mill. Um, and both of us hold to an a mill view, which is, uh, um, well, we could talk about that some other time. But, uh, so that's neat that we both have that, that, that same perspective, although we understand that there are other valid perspectives as well on, on the end times. But also interestingly, uh, both of us come from a dispensational background. Um so not only had, did did we land in the same uh camp, um uh unawares of each other uh studying, but we both have a similar background um in, in dispensational circles. And we bring that perspective to the to the discussion.
1: Yes. and actually just to be fair to my dad, my dad held to and what I grew up with was a historic pre mill. Oh, okay. Um, I wasn't aware but- of that. I was surrounded in parts of churches that held to more of a dispositional uh, perspective, but yes. Um, so one of the major, as you kind of dig into the details, one of the the major questions you have, you clearly have three periods of seven. So you've got the first sevens and then the second period, which uh, covers the 62 sevens. And then you have the, Final seven sevens, uh, these three periods. Um, a big question has to do with uh, so clearly, if you add those up, generally scholars, because of the 70 years, connect seven with year, and so you'd have 490 years. But the question is do you take those? Um, does God intend, uh, as he um, delivers this message through Gabriel, through Daniel, intend for those to be literal or figurative. So that's one of the first questions that you uh, that you have to ask. Now, among those who take those literally, um, which include both dispensationalists and um, non-dispensationalists, there are many who would, you, there can be a whole variety of perspectives on identifying what those periods represent. Um, So uh, I would say from the start, I don't think that those, uh, um, that that the years are meant to be taken literally. There are, I think, several reasons why, but two important ones, even the 70 years was not precisely uh, 70 years of exile was not precisely 70 years, but secondly, um, Daniel, um, seems to be alluding to, and a number of scholars point this out, uh, to Leviticus chapter, um, 25, um, Mm -hmm. and if you read uh, when, when he's talking about the,
0: the seven, uh, 77s. If now reading. let me park it there for just a second. Yeah, go we, ahead. It's hard to just parachute Leviticus in to, to modern ears. Right. So if you think about the children of Israel and they're in exile because of their covenant failures, right. So yes. that's, that's yes. during this 70 years, they're in exile, uh, because of not keeping their end of the bargain as it were and, 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 experiencing God's judgment. And so they're um, palpably aware of their failures. And those failures are rooted in what happened earlier in the Old Testament, back in uh, uh, Exodus and Leviticus and Deuteronomy, the giving of the law. And they they had failed to keep the law, but in the law, excuse me, there are these many, many promises. And this is where you're going with Leviticus 25. There, was a, there are promises uh, with uh, uh, the keeping of the law uh, to, to God's people. And so uh, when we refer back to Leviticus 25, it's not arbitrary. It's not like we went and found a verse that might apply. This was literally on the minds and hearts of people that have studied God's word during this exile, like Daniel and Jeremiah yes and the, the, those faithful in Israel that knew their Old Testament, knew their Torah. Um, so it's not just an arbitrary thing to look up Leviticus. Hey, we found a verse to support our case. It's, uh, you know, yeah. this was always on the minds and hearts of God's people.
1: Yes, exactly. So um, in Leviticus 25, uh, verses 8 through 12, i will just read these quickly. You should count seven weeks of years, seven times seven years, So the time of the seven weeks of years shall give you 49 years. Then you shall sound the loud trumpet on the 10th day of the seventh month. On the day of atonement, you shall sound the trumpet throughout all your land, and you shall consecrate the 50th year and proclaim liberty throughout the land to all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you, and each of you shall return to his property, and each of you shall return to his clan. That fiftieth year shall be a jubilee for you. In it you shall neither sow nor reap what grows of itself, nor gather the grapes from the undressed vines. For it is a jubilee. It is to be holy to you. You shall eat the produce of the field. So uh, in Leviticus 25, a multiplication of seven weeks of years resulted in 49 years. And then the fiftieth was jubilee. And so in essence, what Daniel would be seeing here is, um, the 70th would be the year of Jubilee, but it's times, it's, it's times 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so 490 instead of just 49. In other words, it's the ultimate Jubilee, uh, which as he had said, um, uh, which he, as he had said in verse 24, this would be a time, uh, a, a, a uh, when the, the finish of transgression put an end to sin to atone for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal both vision and profit to the most holy place, everything that has been pointed to is going to be uh, uh, Fulfilled in this ultimate jubilee,
0: right? And I think that that verse twenty-four very, very overtly has messianic prophecy yes. tones yes. to it, right? And it the Messiah is going to do these things, uh, and there's even you know uh, some translational issues here with uh, the end of verse twenty-four to anoint a most holy place. The p- place actually could be referring to a person or yes, holy uh, most holy one. Uh, or the yep. most holy thing it's kind of it's ambiguous in the in the yep. uh, Hebrew. so uh, this very obviously is referring to the to the Messiah that would have been promised from back or, or foreshadowed to back in Leviticus twenty five and this celebration you know jubilee was basically a time of celebration and also rest for certain things and freedom, right And so now yes. we're getting to this messianic prophecy that is the most free of freedom and the most uh, perfect of perfect perfection.
1: Exactly. Precisely. So that, that takes you to kind of the, it, if you get into the weeds of these three mm-hmm. periods, then likely, so this would be a position and this is where I say you can have the big picture and you can uh, be less, be sure about the big picture and lesser about some of the details. But I would take then the first period of sevens to refer to the, the decree that comes through, through Cyrus, uh, Uh, to the uh, rebuilding of the temple and the city walls. Um, And then that second period, the 62 weeks to refer from that to the coming of the Prince or to Jesus, to the Messiah. Then the last seven, there are actually even within this position, there could be different um, Mm -hmm. views of the last seven. Um, But uh, uh, either the two major, ones of that last seven years would the first half is referring to Christ's ministry up to his death and resurrection and then the second half his coming in judgment uh in 70 uh, AD on his people who uh have rejected the Messiah have transgressed and um, um or there could be a future position that the last that it's it's pointing to the ultimate judgment that um Christ, uh, uh, will, will, uh, bring, um, at his return. So okay, again,
0: so, so let me back up just a second. So this, this first seven was the, and the clock started, uh, in our opinion, at the, uh, at the beginning of the decree from Cyrus to go rebuild the city, go be, rebuild the temple. So that would be the first seven, right? Okay. Yes. So then, and then there's the next 62, um, what's going on during those, those 62 years?
1: What what's going on? Uh um, 62 weeks, excuse me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Great. Uh well the rebuilding of of the uh um the temple and so here's the text. Uh then for the sixty-two should be built again in squares and moat, but in a troubled time. So God's pe there there is the re- the return of God's people to um uh to to Jerusalem there's rebuilding of temple walls and yet so so there's some partial fulfillment but it's it's clear as the other prophets will show this isn't the ultimate fulfillment so now sometimes people ask the question well what's the significance why the 62 why the 62 don't know for sure but the only other time 62 is mentioned in in uh, in Daniel, it's with reference to Darius, who's also so. This is a larger conversation, but also Cyrus. So, <laughs>
0: um,
1: so um, it, it, we're told that Darius the Mede, who's also uh, connected to Persia, and so sometimes leaders would have two two different uh, or, or, uh, titles or names. So Cyrus. Um, so that's the only other time sixty two. Is, is mentioned. So potentially, this is not a, uh, cer- a certainty, but perhaps the significance here, if you look at, um, uh, at Isaiah, it, was, it refers to um, Cyrus as the servant of the Lord, as the shepherd of the Lord, who actually would bring about a, a, a rescue of God's people, uh, from from Babylon and then free them to return to their people. If that's the case, um, as a number of scholars think it is, this could be an allusion to this is a, the first a kind of a typological, so it's uh, um, pointer pointer to the ultimate to the one greater than Cyrus, uh, 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 Darius Cyrus, um, who would bring the ultimate liberation. So there's a there is. A uh, a restoration to the land, rebuilding the temple city, but it's not the ultimate. Um, it's a, a partial and it's meant to point to a bigger, greater um, uh, uh, rest, restoration and liberation through Christ. So that, again, is the tentative possibility <laughs>
0: yeah. of so the significance
1: of the number 62.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, that makes sense, and I think <laughs> um, so. Let's let's just zoom out again. We've had the set, the first seven, which was that beginning of the decree to rebuild the city, and then there's the sixty-two, um, uh, which the people returned to the land, and so that brings us up to about sixty-nine, right? So we're at sixty-nine weeks uh, in into the prophecy uh, of Daniel nine. So there was the seven plus sixty-two, bringing us to. Uh, week number 69 or the end of week number 69 so that's kind of where we are as far as uh, in the chapter
1: yes and so then uh, uh in in verse 26 after and after the 62 weeks an anointed one shall be cut off shall have nothing the people of the prince who is to come and shall destroy the city and the sanctuary its end shall come with a flood To the end there shall be war desolations or creed. He shall make a strong covenant with many for one week for half uh, of the week. He shall put an end to the sacrifice and offering on the wing of abomination shall uh, come one who makes desolate until the decree end is poured out on the desolator. So to begin with, uh, I think it is uh, clear if this is correct, what we've said so far, um, that. Uh, the anointed one is to be cut off. This is pointing to the coming of Christ. And this is how he fulfills what had been purposed uh, for this ultimate jubilee uh, for finished transgression, put an end to sin, atone for iniquity to bring in everlasting righteousness um, to confirm or even eclipse both vision and prophet, and to anoint a most holy person. So, um, So that happens now, and so I think at least one thing that's abundantly clear is that that refers to Christ's redemptive work now, and that would be the division of these, and that would be the first half of the seven seventies or this last period. Now the question then that um, is debated is. how is the second half of that fulfilled? Is that fulfilled in seventy A.D. where where Christ um, judges, uh, where Christ had predicted that that this would happen and there would be judgment on uh, covenant-breaking uh, Israel, or does it refer to uh, climactic or to Christ's final coming in judgment? um and here is something where uh you, you potentially could have both and that <laughs> there is a judgment that does happen there's no question And got and Jesus had predicted it Sermon on the mount um in 70 AD, but is there there, there are other portions of scripture where some believe there's still to be a, 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 a um at Christ's return a, a uh, a fuller uh um, a, comp- a, a manifestation of this and accomplishment uh in in Christ's second coming
0: at judgment okay so we we're into the 70th week now is what we is where we're talking uh yeah. just to kind of put a a, a waypoint for people so in the 70th week which um, in our view I think we is pertains to the life of Jesus and perhaps to his baptism beginning of the 70th week or however, you know, his anointing, if that's, you know, the marker you want to put on it. Um, and then we're saying that halfway through this 70th week is most likely the destruction of Jerusalem, at least in our perspective and other, other people disagree. Um, for, as an aside, dispensationalists would believe that we're not in the 70th week yet hasn't started. Uh, that week starts, um, uh, at the rapture is, is uh, where the dispensationalists would believe or hold. And so we believe at least you and I hold to that. No, the, the 70th week started uh, with Christ um, the middle of the week, which is referred to in verse uh, 27, um, you know, for half the half the week, he shall put an end to the sacrifice and offering refers to the destruction of of, of Jerusalem in AD 70 and the destruction of the temple. So basically meaning that there were no sacrifices and no offerings at that point. It was the um, kind of the geopolitical end to the sacrificial system. Of course, covenantally, the sacrificial system ended with Christ's sacrifice on the cross. But as far as um, you know, for the world to see, <clears throat> excuse me, in a geopolitical way, uh, there was no, further need for sacrifices uh, because there was no place to sacrifice, which is why, you know, uh, Orthodox Jews today don't sacrifice because there's no temple. There's no place to hold to hold sacrifices. So that kind of brings us, orients us to where we are in the 70th week that uh, started with w- with Christ. Uh, halfway through the week was the destruction of Jerusalem. So that's kind of where we are. Now and they'll take us, take us on from there.
1: Um, yes, Dave. So even... <laughs> This is where I'm saying even with the details, there are some actually hold the first half refers to Jesus earthly ministry and then the second half to the destruction uh, sure. in 70 AD. The, the alternative is what you were stating first half through uh, is where Jesus anointed and accomplishes his work and the destruction of Jerusalem. And then there's the final uh, deliverance at the return of uh, of Christ. Uh, so, um, what, what it is interesting, you mentioned, uh, the dispensationalist view in that view. Often they don't even see the church as being a part of this, uh, mm-hmm. 70, um, weeks. So they would have this being a, a, parentheses, uh, um, where the church is not even listed here. Uh, but that happened the church era, age because uh, Israel reject, rejected their Messiah. So, the church is a different program here. Uh, Jesus accomplishes that work, takes the church out of the way, and then resumes his work with um, it, Israel. Um, but this would take much longer period of time. But if, there are a number of reasons to think that that's right. not.
0: Uh, and to be charitable, there are some reasons in the text that they they could get there there are there's yeah. with the timing there's some um uh, 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 in some of these verses there there is room for the gap that they're that they're um claiming uh, you know at least in their perspective uh, yeah. I happen to disagree but I do see how they how they get there um and I, I don't believe it's the strongest case but i I do see how they get there in this text that the church isn't isn't part of this um but i think most likely you would arrive at that conclusion if you started with that conclusion. I think if you, if you already see the church, not being um, folded into Israel, then, or a a, a more fuller picture of Israel and completely distinct, then you're going to arrive at that in this passage. You're going to have to find that in this passage or else the system doesn't really work. Uh, So anyway, I I do see how they get there. Um, I don't think it's the strongest argument, but, but I do see uh, how they get there in this passage.
1: Yes, so maybe if we could come back to the end. So mm-hmm. this is where at the uh, um, with dealing with some of the details, where even people who agree on much in principle are uh, there's enough ambig ambiguity here um, that uh, it's important to know what you can be certain about, and then other things that you hold to um, uh, with Less certainty, uh, humbly, um, uh, and what can, what is certain and is glorious, and you don't want to, uh, as you wrestle with and try to get details right, don't lose the big picture. The big picture is that the rescue. Um, that God is promising and he wants Daniel to know this, to be comforted by this, to be assured by this, to delight in this. The rescue is going to be greater than the ruin, mm-hmm. the ruin, desolation, 70 years, the rescue far greater. God's going to bring ultimate deliverance from sin, which is people had committed through the work of the Messiah. And he is going to bring the ultimate jubilee, the undoing of the curse sin of all that has gone wrong.
0: Um, yeah, and let me just, amen, and let me apply that to um, to the disagreements, if I can. I, you know, for our dispensational brothers and sisters, I mean, that's something that we wholeheartedly agree with, that the rescue is far greater than the ruin. Um, whatever the eternal state is, and however it comes about, and however we get there, is far greater um, than than now, right? I mean, so that, that's a that's a wonderful truth that we can all agree on that we can rally behind together. Even if we have disagreements about some of the particulars and how we get there, uh, we can still celebrate this ultimate jubilee that's coming.
1: That's great, Dave. Let, let me just reemphasize a, a principle um, again, and that is sometimes when Christians come to a passage that's difficult to understand. Uh, and there are a number of details they don't understand, uh, they can, can be so flustered by that that they don't rest in and revel in what they do and can understand. Mm-hmm. And so a crucial uh, uh, principle is you're wrestling with God's word. There are some things that are harder to understand, but don't miss what you can understand, because of some of the details that you do not fully understand. Um, uh, uh, God there the things all scripture is profitable for teaching, for proof for correction and righteousness for, uh, uh, for correction, training and righteousness, people God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So take what you do understand, go, dive deep into it, rejoice in it, obey it, uh, live it out. And continue to work and ask God to give greater light on the things that you're less sure that you do understand.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great principle because if you think of it this way. So G- Gabriel in Daniel chapter nine told Daniel to consider the word and understand the vision. Now, do you think? Maybe this is a rhetorical question, but do you think Daniel understood all the details of the vision? Vision, at least, you know which dates fell where and who that prince was going to be. I mean, from Daniel's perspective. He has the sense, he has that this is going to happen, but he doesn't have all the specific details.
1: That's absolutely right. And in fact, I mean, it's confirmed as you read on into Daniel chapter 10, he's given another vision. He understands, and then at the end, he says he doesn't understand. (laughs) So this is where God gives us light to understand what's most important, what we need to understand. And there are some things that we don't until it's time for God's people to understand more fully.
0: Right. Um, So we don't want to, we don't want to press too hard on, on the passage and try and, and try and squeeze out details that, um, that uh, can be left vague and still be true. Right. I mean, there's a sense of, of understanding the principle and the truth without trying to squeeze out something that wasn't intended.
1: Yes. Well said.
0: well, This has been fun, at least for us. I don't know if it's been fun for our our listeners. Um, And there's been, there are tons more things to say. Um, And perhaps we could have had, you know, uh, someone from an opposing point of view uh, on the show, and maybe we could save that for another time. But I think the the overarching principle is that uh, God is in control, and he reveals himself, and he's going to make the restoration far better than the ruin, and I think that's kind of where we want to want to hang our hats. So, thanks, Josiah, for this discussion. Thanks for your insight. I uh, really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, they've enjoyed it.
0: As we close, we want to pray for you. I'm reminded of what the Apostle Paul said in Romans 11, how God's ways and wisdom and knowledge are far beyond ours, and no one else has been his counselor, yet all things are for his glory. And that's what we're trying to do here, by God's grace, is to bring him glories for the perfecting of the saints. And um, so we want to pray for you, and we want to pray for our church during this time that God will work mightily that his spirit would be poured out in fresh ways so Josiah why don't you go ahead and, and open us in prayer and then I'll close us
1: be glad to Dave Our God and our father um, we thank you for your word that you speak to us in the midst of um, our challenges the ups and downs the tumult even that Daniel was experiencing and which led him, To pray, confessing sin and pleading for your mercy. Uh, And you answered him. You showed him that you delight when your people cry out to you, confessing our sins and pleading your promises for mercy. So in the midst of the tumult of our world, uh, would you grant us a spirit of supplication? That we, like Daniel, would uh, yes confess our sins and failures, and uh, plead your promises. Thank you, O oh Lord, that you uh, have revealed your rescue is far greater than our ruin. Help us to believe that first for ourselves. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have um, that you have put an end to our sin. You. Bore our sin in your body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. We thank you for the cleansing that you brought. We thank you for the perfect righteousness that you have given to us as a gift. As we rest in that righteousness, would you also, by your Spirit, be uh, renewing us, transforming us um, practically, that we might um, more and more bear the image uh, of the Lord Jesus? Uh, And uh, His righteousness, and I pray, Lord, that um, we would, uh, with confidence that Your rescue is greater than ruin, uh, also look um, with uh, uh, look and reach out to uh, to those who are hurting, to those around us who do not know You and who could not conceive that there would be a God whose mercy would be. Uh, sufficient for their mess, uh, who feel like their life is, uh, is ruined and undone. I, I thank you for the email I, I received recently of someone who had been in that very position and is experiencing your mercy and grace and restoration, or may we be a church, um, that would, uh, would, would be so encouraged and, uh, uh, renewed by the gospel, that uh, we would see the uh, problems around us, the hurting around us, as an opportunity for us to share the best news in all the world. Your mercy is greater than our mess, your restoration than our ruin, and may we see your gospel bring uh, restoration to many lives, rescue to many lives. We pray that. Um, especially during this Advent season as we celebrate the coming of the Lord Jesus to bring that, uh, that ultimate um, liberation, that ultimate jubilee in Jesus' name.
0: Father, as we continue in prayer, I just want to give you praise for your word. We thank you so much that you've given your word to us so that we don't have to wonder about the uh, the truth of of this life, Lord, you've given it to us to guide us, to direct us, uh, to bank our souls on it. And even though we don't understand all of it at times, Lord, we know that we understand what we need to understand by your grace, by your Spirit's work in our lives. And so we give you praise for that. It is no small thing uh, as we look out in a at a, at a needy, lost world—literally lost, no direction. Uh, we are. Um, so blessed to have your word in our lives. It shapes us, it forms us. And so we give you praise for that. And it reveals your son, Jesus Christ, to us, uh, that rescue that's greater than our ruin. And so we give you praise for these things. Thank you. Thank you for being our God. Thank you that we don't need to go elsewhere to look for God's uh, for a reliable, faithful, loving, merciful God. Um, so we give give you praise that you are far above our thoughts far above the smartest thoughts in all the world um, and that you uh, deign to come down and and dwell with us in the person of Jesus Christ. thank you thank you for being our God and we ask that you would bless each listener with your grace in their lives that they would become more and more like the Lord Jesus Christ if they haven't met Jesus that you would work in their hearts and cause life so that they can see the beauty of your Son and we ask all these things in his name. Amen. Amen. And Thank you all for listening. If you've enjoyed this, we invite you to share it with family and friends. To learn more about our church, visit us online at ChristCommunityCarmel.org. And if you're in the area, visit us in person at the corner of Main Street and Gray in Carmel, Indiana. And join us again next week for the Christ Community Podcast. Until then, the peace of Christ be with you, and God bless.